The Allen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and we're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the great big beautiful Town Bank Building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay, and we're in the Equitable Bank Building there, and it's directly across from Winkies or you can Kitty Corner from Sendex. So um, an absolutely great location. As well, we have an office in Bonita Springs, Florida. My guest today is Ann Mank, and she is a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And one of the things um, when I look back to starting my company almost 23 years ago is I always try to look for where we could be most beneficial. I think in the past I'd say, well, I was always looking for what was wrong and what I could do differently. But it really isn't looking for what was wrong because there are just so many things out there that people just aren't aware of and it, it doesn't make it wrong it doesn't make it right but what it does for me is it's sort of a little red flag that says we could do more education we could enhance what we're offering our clients so that they feel that they're making really good choices so when Ann came to Ellen Becker investment growth in addition to so many wonderful um opportunities and and her knowledge and her background she also brought with her uh her child her daughter who is um a special needs child and and has opened up our eyes at eig she has helped us to not only better understand the whole financial planning piece which is critical and crucial to passing wealth to taking care of a child to helping the family to understand who's going to step in what are they going to do what were the responsibilities do but one of the things that she's brought to the table is that whole emotional piece of it too and how hard it is and how important it is and how people out in the community and just they they make an idea of that they think they know what that's all about but it it it's really hard and for each family it's different and it's hard to find resources and one of the things that Ann and I were talking about just before the show is that it's hard to find time it's hard to find time to get to a class or to get to an event and it's like how do how do people make the time and how do they understand the urgency and the importance of doing that and so we feel from Ellen Becker's point of view to the community that we have this gem and this absolutely incredible resource for my listeners on the radio, for our clients who do have issues that fall outside of the traditional issues that families have to deal with, that there's really someone right there at Ellen Becker that can um, guide you and can help you. And so welcome to EIG and to the family of EIG, and but also welcome to sharing your time today with my listeners, my um, 27 years listening to me um, and nobody has said that they're sick of me yet so I guess that's good good and I haven't gotten the hook yet but um, it's it really is 
a great opportunity for all of us because in all these years, I've never once sold a product on the radio. It's always been education, education, so people can make really good decisions. And if you don't have an opportunity to listen to the whole show today, you can always go to ellenbecker.com, go to Radio Shows, Money Sense, and Ann's um, show will be taped. It will be on there, and you can forward it to a family member or a friend who may find it beneficial. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And a lot of the points that you mentioned is really why I want to focus on special need families in the first place. So one is my personal experience. Uh, So just to give you a little background, my daughter now is 11, going on 12. When she was born, she had about a 50% chance of survival. So she had some physical defects. And so we, right out of the gate with her, just started navigating a lot of the resources that are out there. And this entire time, we've been searching and trying to find the right places to go. We know there's a lot of resources out there, but what's the best resource and what's the right way to do this? And then when you add money and finances on top of it and legal responsibilities as well, it really gets overwhelming. And so that's why... um, I really want to focus on this is to help the families that are out there and really don't know where where to turn. And thanks to EIG, you've given me the platform to help my clients and then to also help those in the community as well. I, we, you and I were talking before we started the show, and you made a comment that I thought was very interesting, that most people think just because you have a special needs child, you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. And we both know that in some cases that's really true. They, every, every ounce that they have goes to resources mm-hmm. and to insurance and to medical things. So a lot of people don't have, I'm going to qualify this, liquid cash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they have things like 401ks and retirement mm-hmm. accounts. They may potentially have an inheritance possibility. Mm-hmm. Or if something happens, most most people have insurance associated with their work. Right. And so often people don't think they have resources mm-hmm. because they're not liquid and they don't. It's like, right. I don't have any money to spend. <laughs> you know, and it's that old thing, you're worth dead, more dead than alive. That's a pretty scary thought. Right. And often if you um, have a child like this planning for that event if you should pass away and Mm -hmm. and the most unfortunate thing and we've had this happen is two people are killed in a car accident or an unexpected you know tragedy and then all of a sudden what happens right and it's really twofold so you have the emotional side and the daily living of the child or even a grown adult at that point and then you also have the financial side as well and the one thing that you know there has been some focus on the financial side but it's really the emotional side so one of the things that i've talked about in a prior newsletter is this letter of intent and what this really does is data dump everything that myself as a caregiver does for my child that other people might not know so that if i'm not there somebody can step in Because with um, a special needs child, not only do they have physical, but they might have emotional needs as well. And so for them to go through the death of their caregiver and then not know what's going on, it's really hard on the child. And so this letter of intent, what it does, it says, okay, at dinner, they really like their purple bowl that they eat out Mm -hmm. of, or here is how they go to bed at night, or if they get anxious, this is how they calm themselves down. So it's just a blueprint of saying, if I'm not here, whoever the next caregiver is, here is 
how you take care of them. And then it also relieves a lot of stress for that caregiver because they've lost you There's solutions. There's solutions. Right, right. So it's a nice way of just laying that out and then updating it every once in a while. And you can put pictures in there, but it's not a legal document. It's just a way of saying, okay, here's how you can make life go forward if I'm not there. So you have the emotional side. And then you also have the financial side as well. Excuse me. And so with that, what happens is just because my child has special needs does not mean they have to live in poverty. There's ways of making sure that they have the assets that they need, whether I'm here or not, so that they can still have a good quality of life and not have to live under the poverty level, which I think is the misconception that's out there saying I need to spend down these dollars so that they can get some support either from other places or from the government, but that's not the case. There's a lot of ways that we could structure things so that they can still have a good quality of life, even when they turn 18 or even when the caregiver passes away as well. You know, we talk about transparency Mm -hmm. at EIG as being so important. Transparency equals trust and trust equals transparency. (laughs) Totally interchangeable. And I think that part of what we see as a necessity in families is the conversation. Mm -hmm. And talking about this, so the letter of intent and then sitting down and having a family conversation. I remember many, many years ago sitting down with a family and they had a special needs child. And all of a sudden, in the middle of this talking about estate planning, the daughter said, are you, do you expect me to take care of? And she said, it's not that I don't want to, but mm-hmm. has, do you expect me? And what would that look like? And how would I do that? And I mean... And and she started to feel very guilty. She's I know that this is my sister, but I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know what, what is it that will happen when you and dad die. And I was so taken back. And then she had all this guilt, but mm-hmm. it had been the big elephant in the room that no one had talked about. Yep. And it's really the conversations that we have with our clients that brings that out. Yes. So I've had that experience too of, well, when you pass away, what happens? Who takes care? And... The parents assume it's another sibling that will do it. And the siblings are like, whoa, time out. <laughs> I, I'm, I love them. I want to support them as much as I can. But I don't know if I can do that. I might have small kids at home and might not be able to take on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. I might not have the financial needs or means to be able to do that for my brother, my sister, my nephew, whoever it might be. And so that is a really important conversation to have saying, okay, here's you know, what I would like to happen. Are you okay with that? And there are classes out in the community, and these are some of the resources I'm trying to pull together to help our clients in the community. But there are resources, there's classes out there for these siblings who are going to take over as caregivers. Like, here's what it will entail. Here are the legal responsibilities, just so that they know what they're accepting when they accept it. Because a lot of times they're like, sure, okay, I'll take care of it. And they don't realize what that really means. They don't realize how much the parent is doing. Yep behind the scenes. So let's take a quick break and let's break this up into a couple segments. Let's start by how important is it to have your estate planning documents in order? Well, we know the answer to that. (laughs) Very, very, very important. But at Ellen Becker, that's where we start. We start by laying the foundation of the estate plan. And then let's talk about the second segment. Let's talk about the financial plan and some Mm -hmm. of the things to look at there. And then that last segment, let's talk about the importance of that conversation, that family meeting that really identifies all of the work that we've done in the estate plan and the financial plan. And 
I've been saying to Julie just recently, I said, I think that I've given my clients a false sense of security because I work so hard to get that estate plan right and we work so hard to get the financial plan right. But if we don't work hard to get that conversation right, it all falls apart mm-hmm. in the end. Right. And so my guest today is Ann Mink. She is a CFP and a CPA. She is with the Ellen Becker Investment Group, which we are really totally 100% <laughs> thrilled. She's a wealth advisor, and she works with all all clients. But she her heart leans a little bit towards <laughs> working with people who have special situations. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I have this wonderful opportunity to introduce you to Ann Mank, who is a CFP and a CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And she is a wealth advisor. And we're talking today about special situations, children with special needs. And Anne has a child that has special needs, and so very near and dear to her heart is to connecting with people who have those similar types of situations, who feel a little bit lost and a little bit like a turtle on their back trying to figure out what do I do next and who do I trust. And Anne has spent a vast amount of time researching different types of programs, different types of resources in the community, and she can help you to identify which ones might be best suited for you. So, and we said that we would start this next segment with talking about estate planning, and I think we all would agree that we know that estate planning is important. If you don't have a will or a trust, it doesn't really matter. You still have an estate plan. It's just the one the government puts in place for you. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> so if you want to, you know, I've never heard anyone to me to date say, I'm just so excited the government's put all these wonderful <laughs> programs in place for me, and they're going to they're gonna resolve my estate. Um, I've never heard that. I think what I hear mostly is that they don't want to give the government any more control over their lives than they have to. So, if you feel that way, like the majority of us do, estate planning becomes an important tool. And I always say, Anne, that we don't do estate planning for ourselves, although it does give us a huge amount of peace of mind knowing that we've done it. We really do it for the people who are left behind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I say that a lot to to my clients, that it really isn't for you, this is so that when you pass away, it makes it easy for those that have to take over. And that's especially true in special need cases. Um, and it, it once again, is it's kind of twofold. So you have, how do I take care of my child? So talking with an attorney and getting that estate plan in place, what that helps is, okay, when I'm gone, how do I make sure that my child is taken care of? And the assets are protected yes. to take care of the child. Yep. And that's kind of the second part is a lot of these special need kiddos, they have some sort of government assistance. And so what you want to do is make sure that by giving them these assets or making sure that they are part of your estate plan, that you are not removing them from those government benefits. So that could be grandparents who have to think about this. Aunts and uncles. I know in my family, you know, one of my siblings doesn't have any kids right now, so my kids are part of his estate plan. Well, I just need to make sure that he knows how to structure it for my daughter so that she doesn't get removed from government benefits Mm -hmm. as well. And grandparents all the time try to make sure that their grandkids are taken care of. So I just want to go back to what you just said. For those people out there who are listening, if you are not married 
or married with no children, what Anne is suggesting is that if you have a special situation, and it could be a special needs child, but it also could be a child who has a special situation like addictions. Yeah. It could be any, mm-hmm. any situation that is a little bit different and, and where assets going to that child would in some way um, not be beneficial. In yeah. your case, they could take them off of some type of government program for someone who has had a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or a f- or they can't manage finances very well. That's a special situation. Um, if, if you are a parent thinking about it, but if you're a, a brother and, and sister and one of your family members has a child like this and you've made them a beneficiary, talk to them, talk to your attorney to make sure that you don't pass money to that child in a way that it circumvents what's in their best interest. Mm-hmm. Not saying don't pass it to them, just saying that there could be a way of passing it that would enhance the situation, making money available to care for them regardless of what happens rather than them getting money and ruining their life and no no amount of money then can help. Right. That's a really good point that it's important not only to talk to the attorney when you're you're putting your estate together, letting them know those situations and then making sure your beneficiaries on your retirement plans or on your life insurance are also fitting in your into your plan as well, because it's very easy to put the trust in place. And then if you aren't working with a financial professional and saying, well, your beneficiary is wrong here because you're giving it right to the child. If you don't have that review process in place, it's very easy to kind of get tripped up on that as well. well. And and it's tough because I had a situation many years ago where it was a a mom and um, her daughter. Actually, it would be very similar to my daughter and I, Julie and I. We do everything together. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're tight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) And we we do everything together. And um, the mother had made a plan for the daughter. And they were both killed in a car accident. And so the mother's estate never hit the daughter's estate. The mother's estate went down to her children, and there was no plan for the children because the mom thought, I don't have, like you said, yep. I don't really have anything. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I don't have anything. So why do I have to do planning? So the parents did good planning, but the problem was that the daughter didn't have the plan in place. Who would have thought that the mother and daughter would have been killed at the same time? Yep. So all this money went straight down to the children at age 21. <laughs> Perfect age. <laughs> Perfect age. And and it, 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 it wasn't in their best interest. And because dealing with the death of their mother, dealing with the death of their mm-hmm. grandmother, getting huge amounts of money was just more than, I mean, it, it just did not work out very well. So I always suggest to my grandparents, make sure that your children's children have a plan in place and we you know now have parents say well i don't know if that's my business and i'll go i think they would really be happy to know that you wanted this to work right mm-hmm. it's right planning yes <laughs> and that's a good point too because a lot of times in these estate plans you will create a special needs trust for a child who might be on government benefits But really, you should have this trust set up so that if anything like that happens where they get money and you don't know that it's coming to them, they already have this trust set up so that they can receive the benefit right away of it. And you don't have to go through all the legal expense and time to put that in place. So a lot of times, even with special needs, it's putting that trust in place sooner than you think you might need it, even if there's nothing in it, but having that shell ready to go, because at some point you will. Yes. 
Yeah. And it takes it takes plenty. What are some of the other things? Um, so if we look at the talk a, a little bit the the benefits of the special needs trust, mm-hmm. of course, the benefits of looking at the powers of attorney for health care and finances, particularly at the point. I, what point does that actually happen with with a child going off to college or just mm-hmm. turning eighteen? We say every child needs it, but does a special needs child need it before that or how do you how do you navigate that i mean that <laughs> is difficult that's tough yep um and to kind of go to the back to the first mm-hmm. point of that there's a couple of different trusts you can put in place and really what determines what type of trust it is is who's funding that account is it the child that has a job and is funding the account or is it gifts from outside parties so depending on that it would be two different trusts and would have different ways of being um being able to be accessed and then also from a Medicaid perspective on what you might have to pay back. So there are different ways. So that's why it can get complicated when you're putting a trust together. And then to your point of, well, what about powers of attorney? Special need cases are a little bit different because up until recently, what would happen is once the child turns 18, as a parent, I would have to say, I want to apply for guardianship and I would have to have the court approve that. Well, what that's doing is totally taking control away from that child. So they might be able to make their own decisions, but in order for me as a parent to continue acting on their behalf, I had to strip that all away. So it's changing. So there are some rules in place that are changing to allow that individual to still have control, but then let me be power of attorney. So right now, depending on the, each case is different. And it could be everything from that child has absolutely no rights and I have to go to a court to say, give me those rights, or it could be a joint effort. But it, once again, that's why it's important to make sure that you have that estate plan in place as the child grows um, so that when they turn 18, you know what you can do on their behalf so that it's not a big surprise when you go and try and help them find an apartment or try and get them into a special program and you just aren't able to do it. You know, and I have a very, very dear friend um, that has a special needs child and he's probably now in his 50s, so much older. And I think it took her probably going to maybe a 100 doctors (laughs) and maybe, I mean, that's an overstatement, but so much of the limitation on her doing planning was that she couldn't accept that she couldn't change mm. his outcome. Oh, yeah. That the more doctors, eventually a doctor would tell her, yes, this is going to do or this is going to happen. And I was after her. I really was after her I mean, <laughs> to get this planning done because I was so afraid if Max died, what would happen? She was divorced. And um, finally, she was able to calm her fears Mm -hmm. and I realized that there were two things number one she had to really accept that Mark was special needs and Mm -hmm. that she was getting older she's 70 that if she died who was going to take care Mm -hmm. of him he has a sister but she lives in another state a Mm -hmm. whole different life and they were connected as young kids but not necessarily as older adults Mm -hmm. as their life shifted and she had to get over the acceptance that she might die. And for some reason, she associated with putting a plan in place with a definity that she would die. Oh. <laughs> you know, it was hard. <laughs> yep. it, but yep. she is really in such a good place now that we've got the estate plan. She's got a caregiver lined up in the event that she would die that would step in and do some of the mm-hmm. things like 
she brought him in to get a little bit more um, acquainted with Mark. But it was hard. The emotional side mm-hmm. for her was hard. He didn't care. He didn't really have a clue. <laughs> he was happy as could be. But it was her reluctance mm-hmm. because of her fear and her love and her her not wanting to ever. I mean, she would never want her child to die before her. But she couldn't imagine what would happen if she died before him. Yep. And so this whole emotional thing, which mm-hmm. is why you're starting the group at Ellen Becker Investment Group, because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing, and you can describe it better, but you're bringing together people of like minds, like interest, like fear, like love, like experience, like opportunities to come together and find a safe place to explore, but also a safe place to realize that we say that like a cliche, they're not alone, but in truth, they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good way of describing why I started Better Than Ordinary at EIG. What I really want is a group where we can come together and there's somebody else in the group saying, oh, I've been there, done that, here's how we do it. Because a lot of times the emotion is a lot. It is, you don't want to label your child. You're overwhelmed by the whole situation just from an emotional perspective. You're scared, because it, this is all new territory. You know, when you have a child, um, there are, especially a normal child who's healthy when they are born, there's tons of books to tell you how to get through that. There's no books for me to read on how to have my child go from year one to year two when they are have either physical or emotional needs. So you're in this big vat of darkness a lot of times. And so that's what this group does is say, here are the resources. Here's people who've been there, done that. Let me mentor you through this. It's okay to do this because if they get labeled with this, here's the resources that are going to open up for them. So I know, especially with my daughter, it was hard for me to say, okay, yes, she's autistic or yes, she has physical disabilities because I didn't want to label her that for the rest of her life. Where in essence, by doing that, I was be, I was able to get so many more resources for her and so much more therapy and so much more um, classes that it was really worth doing it. And I wasn't setting her up for failure. I was really helping her thrive at that point. So how do people um, get it? How, how do they sign up for your classes more than or? Better than ordinary. Better than ordinary. Better than ordinary. <laughs> How do they sign up for that? And what does that look like? And when do you hold them? And um, how often do people have to go? I mean, you and I have talked about this. People are so busy. But yep. the resources to make this really valuable. This is a valuable amount of time. And they don't have to be clients of EIG. No. Absolutely not. It's just like our Bible study group and our widows group. We have so many things that we host and we generate, but it isn't mandatory to be a client because this is really a give back to our community. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we have uh, monthly meetings. Everything is on the Ellen Becker website. If you go to the events, you can RSVP to them. But what I'm really looking for, we've had such, everyone that I've talked to about this has really been supportive and they know that it needs to be out there. And so what I'm trying to do is figure out the best way to get the information to individuals. So right now we're having meetings in our Pewaukee office to try and bring individuals together. 
But if anybody has any ideas of best ways to reach them, because I know everyone is so busy. Um, I put information in the newsletter every quarter as well. So really, it's just a matter of if you wanted some additional information, you can reach me via email. So it's just Anne with an E at ellenbecker.com or go to our website and you can see all the events that we will be hosting in the future for this group. And then we're trying to branch off as well in either podcasts like this or also maybe some webinars as well. We're going to take a quick break. My guest is Anne Mank. She is a wealth advisor with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And when we come back, we'll just recap a little bit of this and we'll talk about some of the important things for people to understand about the whole financial piece. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Anne Mank. She is a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And really, her heart is into everything she does, but there's just a little extra piece that goes towards planning and working with families who have special situations and special needs for their children. And and we talked about the importance of developing a really solid estate plan and making sure that when you pass money to your children, that it passes in a way that is really beneficial, which we always talk about to our clients as well. But really, truly... um, extra important in terms of having special needs children because if the planning isn't done right, it can take them off of any type of government programs or any special programs or resources that they have. So it's um, very important to find someone and work with somebody who really truly understands all of the ins and outs of that, which we're just thrilled uh, that you have that background and experience. And then we talk about setting up your financial plan, your retirement accounts, and how are you going to, um, what does it look like when you pass away, or what does it look like if you get sick? What does it look like if you get injured and you no longer can work? How will you support the family? How will you support all the traditional needs? And then, oh, by the way, you have some extra special needs that might be met. And so when I sit down with clients, I know when we sit down with clients, I always say, well, what does it look like if you get disabled? What does it look like if you get really sick? What does it look like if you die? And it's so important to look at those three different pieces, regardless if you have a special need child or special situation and it's rare that families don't have any special situations you know I mean there's two kids that are doing really well there's one kid that needs a little bit of help or I mean everybody has something that they perhaps should be aware of as they start to draft their estate planning documents yep exactly And it changes, too. So like you said, you might have two children that are doing really well and one that you need to support a little bit more for a little bit of time. So those estate documents should always be reviewed as well. So when you're looking at ways to make sure that your family is covered, so all of those that you had mentioned are very important. Making sure you have disability insurance if you are the primary breadwinner or one of the breadwinners in the family. The other thing is also health insurance, knowing who covers health insurance, because when you have a special needs child, health insurance is so important. And if you would lose it even for 
30 days, it could be catastrophic to your financial plan. So just thinking about that, too. If, if whoever holds the health insurance, what would happen if they would lose their job or would not be able to work anymore? And then one of the things Karen and I were talking about earlier is life insurance and the importance of life insurance, especially as you have a young family. A lot of times the cash flow isn't there. You can't put money aside for your child's for their needs down the road. So a lot of times what you can do is you can put some life insurance, term insurance in place, has very low premiums, but it's a way of being able to support the child if anything would happen to you, making sure the financial assets are there. And there the beneficiary becomes so important because you don't want it to go into the general estate. You want mm-hmm. it to go into that credit protection trust for the child. Yes, Make it very specific on that beneficiary so that you know that's exactly where mm-hmm. it's going. And then also from a financial perspective, there's a couple of ways that you can make sure that that child is set up in life. And so, as I mentioned before, there's two trusts that you could set up for that child. And there's different ways for the child to earn income, too, during their lifetime. So they can have a job. They can earn money. Um, or they could be through Social Security disability or even with money that you're providing to them. But these two trusts that you could set up, one is money that they've earned themselves. So you can put this into a trust. They can accumulate more than that 2000 That is the Medicaid limit for assets. They can have more than 2000 in there. It just has to be used for their benefit. So it, if they need um, therapy, if they need a place to live, that's what you use that for. Then there's another type of trust where it is money that the grandparents have put in, that the parents have put in, that the individual never earned themselves, you're putting into the separate bucket. What that does, it says... either gifting or inheritance. Correct. Typically is the way, yep, that you would get that in there. And what that can do is it can give assets for the child, needs to be used on their behalf as well, but it doesn't have that same Medicaid limitation on there. So there isn't that pullback where Medicaid could come back and get those assets once that that individual passes away. Mm -hmm. And then there's this third type that you can fund as well. So this is very new. It was uh, created in 2014. It was um, established in Wisconsin about 2015. But what it allows you to do is put assets in the name. So this child can earn the income. You can put it in the name of the child. It's called an ABLE account. And these ABLE accounts, what it does is it grows tax-free, tax-advantaged. So what happens is if you put the money in, and it grows, that child can take it out tax-free as long as it's used for their benefit. Wisconsin themselves doesn't have it, but we can go to different states and open those accounts on their behalf. So it's a really exciting time when you're looking at assets for special needs because now you have a place where you could put substantial amount of assets that this individual can do and also have tax advantage to it as well so that they can have that quality of life and then also get the benefits and the health insurance that they desperately need as well. When you look at funding things like that, um, this ABLE account, is that something that can be a gifted account or an inherited account can go into the ABLE account? Or where does that money come from? So the money can come from any source. Um, It's very much like opening a 529 college account Mm -hmm. for a child. So with an ABLE account, the child can only have one account in their name, so it can't have multiple. But 
what's the way it's funded can be gifted from the parents. So a lot of times what parents will do is they might have two other children that they're funding a 529 account for, and they'll put the same amount into an ABLE account because they don't know if their child's going to go to college or what their future will be. This allows them that whatever decision they make or whatever path they take, there's resources for them there as well. So it doesn't have to be used just for strictly education. Can it nope. be used for clothes and Yep, as long as it's the benefit for that child. So it can use housing, clothes, if they need a special chair to sit in, if they need different supplies. As long as it's used for the benefit of that child, it can be taken out tax-free. That's really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. It is, and it's new, and we're making some changes on it. So not a lot of individuals know about these types of accounts, especially in Wisconsin, because we don't have one that we sponsor. Well, the other thing I think that's important is how do parents save for their own retirement when they're so much of their resources go to helping get a good foundation mm-hmm. for a child who has special needs? And again, I say that this special needs or special situations yeah. can be because there's a lot of parents out there that are raising grandchildren. There's a lot mm-hmm. of parents that are doing other things and it becomes very difficult for them to figure out. And what about me and how do I save? Right. And there's a lot of guilt associated with it too. So a lot of times you're willing to save and do things for the child in the special situations, but you feel guilty saving for yourself. You say, oh, I'll take care of that later. I'll figure it out. And part of the process is, well, they will not be there to take care of you. So you need to be able to take care of yourself first and foremost, Mm -hmm. kind of like when you're on a plane and they say, put your mask on first and then your child. Well, that's what you have to make sure that you're doing along the way too. So there's a lot of tough decisions because you don't have the cash flow available, but you need to take care of yourself first. Then go out and much like the better than ordinary group that we're putting together, go out and find those resources where your child can get the help that they need. It doesn't always have to be you providing that support and that help. There's a community out there that have tons of resources. So use those resources, find out what they are, get the support you need, but take care of yourself first. My guest today is Ann Mank. She's a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are going to take a quick break. And remember that if you've been listening to this or you missed the beginning of it or you have to tune out now, that you can go to ellenbecker.com, go to radio shows, and under Money Sense, you'll find Ann Mank. And it takes about a week to get it on there. And then you're free to send that to anyone that may benefit, um, that could use to, some knowledge about what's available in our community. And And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the emotional side of it, our last segment. Welcome to Money Sets. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Ann Mank. She is a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And amongst all the many wonderful things that she brings to EIG, she also brings experience in, with her own daughter and working in the community with individuals who have children and adults with special needs. And that is something that I know for me I've always looked at how can we make something better? What what does our community need? And in talking with you, and you said this is something that the community really does need. And so you are starting a group that's called Better Than Ordinary. And it reminded me of 
a friend of mine whose husband was diagnosed with um, a, it's going to be a very difficult road for them to working with him. And um, she said exactly that. I had a book that I sent her on taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And she called me and she said, I can't tell you how many people have given me books on how to take care of my husband, but nobody's given me a book on how to take care of myself as a caregiver. And we do have that wonderful book at the office, should anybody be interested in it. Um, but that's what you're hoping to develop and to help people to understand resources and to give them a place, a safe place to go to talk about some of these issues and challenges and hurdles that they face because most likely someone in the group has had some similar situation or has an idea of what they might be able to do. And I think more importantly... Um, I was watching a show the other night, and it was about in Africa, and it was about um, malaria, which I didn't have any idea the the amount that they over and above AIDS or anything else they lose more people to malaria, and um, it was a wonderful show. And the woman was being challenged that she was before a committee asking for funding, and they said. Well, I know you're here because you have a special, you have a special situation. You have a special need. You lost a child to malaria. And she said, she looked at him and it was like, yes, I do have a special situation. I did lose a child to malaria. She said, and do you think that she said, every time I eat, every time I, I, I touch something of his or I see something, she said, I feel it. I can taste it. And she said, and what you don't understand is all those hundreds of thousands of children have a mother. And each one of them can feel it. Each one of it can understand the pain of losing a child or having a child that you don't know how to step into that space of loving and helping and protecting. And so you're sitting here before us, and with all that emotional love, and you know how all these other parents are feeling. You, I can see it in your eyes right now. The tear. I mean, you know. And I think we forget that all these children have parents. And so we can help the parents by doing really good planning. But you can help the parents by letting them know that you're human. Mm-hmm. And that we've all been there and done that. And a lot of times when you have a special needs child, your whole focus and your whole world revolves around that child and a lot of times like especially in the beginning with my daughter it was my husband and I sitting there while she's in the hospital not knowing that the phone call we're going to get the phone call in the middle of the night saying she's passed away so we've all been there and we hold so much stress and anxiety as a special needs parent and it's very hard for someone else to kind of step in our world unless they've been there. They might understand it and they might sympathize with it, but unless you're there and you're going through it on a daily basis of, you know, oh my gosh, I forgot my kid's medication, how we have to rush back because they absolutely need it. Or if you have a child who needs oxygen and the tank runs out, like what is your plan of attack? So there is a financial plan we put in place, but it's understanding what's important to that parent because when they step into that meeting, it might not be money at that moment because they might have just had, 
you know, a really scary incident with their child or they've had frustration with the school system or they're just overwhelmed by the process. And so that's what when we're sitting down and I'm talking with clients or people in the community who have special needs kids, it's that background that I'm bringing because it's not just about the dollars and cents. It's what's your goals? What are your priorities? How are you stepping into this meeting? Because I know you have a million things going on in your head that right now makes this seem, you know, little and not important. It is an important part of the process. And so what I do is I help them realize how this is important to the process and how we can help them go through the process. And that's what the better than ordinary group that I'm hoping to put together. So if anybody is out there and they have an idea of what we should be covering or if they know a good way to get this information out, please email me at Ann with an E at EllenBecker.com. And this is a wonderful and you're open to everyone's suggestions because the goal is to get it out there and to make sure that um, we can reach as many people as we can and to make it easily to be reachable, right? <laughs> which is something that we're really trying to focus on. My guest today is Ann Mink. She is a wealth advisor for Ellen Becker Investment Group. She's fantastic. She has this beautiful heart of understanding and really wants to share it with you. And so thank you, Ann. Thank you. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. You just have a great weekend. Bye.